we still, I think at this point, don't know exactly what to make of Sean Clifford's performance versus Wisconsin on the whole. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, in the BWI Daily Edition. That's what we're going to talk about today. Sean Clifford, was he good? Was he bad versus Wisconsin with two halves that were very different? Now, I've given uh, some analysis throughout the week here on the BWI Daily Edition, but we're going to really get in deep after some of the comments James Franklin made yesterday during his uh, press conference with the media because he talked for a couple of answers for an extended period of time of uh, something interesting that I thought of, what makes a good quarterback and how does Sean Clifford look or resemble those things. So I brought in an expert, someone an expert on Sean Clifford and on James Franklin. That would be Nate Bauer, senior editor here at Blue White Illustrated. Nate, how you doing? I'm great. Let's let's drop the expert thing. Let's not get carried away here. Well, you you are our resident expert on both of those men from a narrative standpoint. And I will defer to you when we talk about these things as sure. the expert on those guys, or at least that's how we're going to build it up so that people want to watch. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I'm trying to be, you know, humble here, but if you say so. All right. All right. Perfect. So James Franklin had some comments yesterday during his press conference about, um, again, something that I thought was super interesting with how do you play the quarterback position the right way and how as a senior now with the situation he's in, how Sean Clifford can take advantage of some things in his life that maybe he wouldn't have before. What were your major takeaways from that conversation with James? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not um, – this isn't revelatory in any way or necessarily, but experience matters. Yeah. That's, that's the gist is – Experience matters, and and the more of it that you have, and the more that you do with it, right? I mean, there there is a a a scenario where having experience is not to your benefit because you don't learn from it and you don't grow from it. You just keep doing the same things. You just you you're you're steadfast in your resolve, and uh, you, you know you're unwilling to take a different approach. But for many people, and specifically what he's saying about Sean Clifford, is the experiences that he has had, and, and that's from a broad perspective, but also in the narrow view, uh, the, the actual X's and O's, those experiences all create a, a data set from which he's able to work as a quarterback. And when you have that background, it... it um, you know, like we're talking technology here, you and I occasionally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, your your browser cache, cache, cache. I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cache. I think. You know what I mean. Yeah. The point is, is that the web page loads more quickly. Yep. When yeah. you've been when you've been there before, right? And when you have all of those saved images and you know so so on and so forth. When 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 that exists, it it makes the the response time that much quicker. And Sean yeah. Clifford has that now. He has that ability. He has those experience. He's seen every defense that he's going to see. He knows what's coming. Uh, and and as you pointed out to me, you know that's that's a major major part of the battle 
for for playing the quarterback position, specifically at this level. Yeah, and this is what James Franklin had to say yesterday during his press conference about uh, knowing what the defense is going to do because of your film study. What it's about, it's it's not just knowing the plays and knowing the defense. It's it's you know what are your answers and. You know, if if they bring this pressure, you know, what's the adjustment to the protection or where are my relief throws or, or hots or so on and so forth. And I think that's where it really becomes powerful, you know, as a quarterback is when you feel like the defense can't be right because you have the answers. You know, here's my man beater. Here's my zone beater. You know, here's my, you know, my pressure answer, whether it's adjusting a protection or a hot throw or, you know, whatever it may be or checking the play. Um, and that's where I think you got a chance to be really good on offense is when the offensive players, specifically the quarterback, feel like you really can't be right on defense because, you know, we hold the chalk last on, last on offense and you have the opportunity to make the adjustments. Uh, and that's about anticipation, right? You know, anticipation, everybody talks about the quarterback position is, is because pre-snap, based on your film study and your experience, you got a pretty good understanding of what's coming, you know, 70 percent of the, you know, of the time you should know, you know, you should know what's going to happen before the ball snapped. And now 70 to 80 percent. And now you're just confirming it at the snap. And so that's the part that I think is really interesting about Sean Clifford is that he's we've, we've talked about this before. He's always been a smart quarterback. He's always been a guy that from the X's and O's perspective, he's he's been able to know a lot of stuff but it's the translation to the field that I think has been a, a, a bit of a difficult process for him now that he's a senior and as James Franklin mentioned there his his course load is lighter he can focus more on film study and he can really get down into it I do think we saw a step forward in that when it came to his ability to make the right decisions and look comfortable in the mental process, maybe his footwork and everyone who is is following along with the stuff we do here, maybe the footwork isn't great. Maybe some of the fundamentals aren't great from the mental processing standpoint, though. I do think we saw a step forward. Is that you said this earlier? That's not something that every quarterback can do. Some of them still don't learn. What is it about Sean that you think has allowed him to do that? Yeah, I mean, I, frankly, the bad experiences, right? Yeah. I mean, last last year is just. It's such a key element, and, and not just last year, certainly the end of his 2019 season have shaped his outlook and have shaped how he wants to approach this. The, the, the area that I think is so different for him this season, and again, we're working with a very limited data set, right? We've got yeah. one half and then a second half, but what is striking to me is Sean Clifford in the past has allowed negative things to snowball. Yeah. He, he has, he has, he has, you know, and, and yeah, it's kind of a two year storyline of being jittery and jumpy and overexcited at the start of games. However, he for as uncomfortable as he looked at times in the first half against Wisconsin, it never seemed as though he was trying to force the issue. Yes. Yep. Which is and something we've me, talked about a lot. Yeah. And, and so like, you know, that can happen, right? Uh, you're playing blackjack and you catch a string of cold cards and 
all of a sudden you're making bets that you wouldn't make because you want to get hot, you, you, right? And and in that circumstance on Saturday where it's 0-0, zero, zero, the fact that the defense was able to do what it did in keeping Wisconsin off of the scoreboard, I think – now, look, we're, we're gonna, I'm going to have this secondary conversation about how Sean Clifford has grown and how the offense took this very mature approach, but – they were aided magnificently yeah. and and very significantly by the fact that that score was 0-0. Yep. Because if that score was 17-0 or 21-0... It could have I easily been any of those, too. I don't know that any of those guys could honestly say that they would have responded the way that they did. Yeah. By, keep, by keeping their cool, by keeping their patience, right? And, and guess what? That's going to happen this season. Like, there will be times where... They dig themselves a hole in the first half, and you you've got to be able to 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 withstand that and weather that and get through it. Um, and they did on Saturday, but yeah. you know it, it's 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 going to be a to be determined kind of thing. So this is another interesting thing that James Franklin talked about yesterday when he mentioned you want to get to a point where if you're the quarterback, you feel like the defense can't be right because you have all the answers. You know what they're going to do. And you, as as Franklin said, you have the chalk last. So you get to make the last decision. You get to see what they're doing pre-snap. And then you get to make the checks at the line of scrimmage. I thought I saw more of Sean Clifford taking command of the offense and not just looking to the sideline. Like actually making adjustments and decisions at the sideline. If that's the case, and if Sean Clifford is that quarterback, even from a fundamental standpoint, if he doesn't get better technically how much does that raise the ceiling for Penn State as a football team? I'm always torn on this because I think that there's one of the things that I hear, right? Some of the feedback that I get is that Sean Clifford isn't good enough to win a national championship. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and that's the ceiling that we're constantly talking about with, right. with Penn State football. That's a ridiculously high ceiling. <laughs> there are, there are, I mean, realistically, there are three or four programs that are capable of winning a national championship any given year. Right. And two of them are the same every year. One of them is the same most years. Yeah. Right. And then there's like a rotating cast of three or four other schools that might get into that fourth spot. Right. So, right. so the fact that we're talking about, it or Sean Clifford in that context says that Penn State as a program is ready to reach that height otherwise. And I don't know that that's fair to Sean Clifford. Is that fair to the program? So I don't think it's fair to the program. Totally. Are they that's ready what, for that? But I think, but I think, but I think that's the fundamental flaw with that conversation is yeah. when we talk about Sean Clifford as being the inhibitor of a national championship for Penn State, I think that wildly overestimates yeah. how prepared the rest of the, the right? And so yeah. it's, it's not Sean Clifford. Can Sean Clifford win a Big Ten championship? Yeah, I think he can. I think Sean Clifford is good enough to win a Big Ten championship. I think that Penn State is good enough to win a Big Ten championship. I think that they, there are there is one other team in the conference that is probably better than them. Yeah. Right? But is it possible for them to, to win a game like that this season? Absolutely. I don't think there's any problem with that. But 
how good can Sean Clifford be? How good can Penn State be if Sean Clifford reaches his height? Pretty good. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any question about that. Um, it, it's just a matter of, hey, he's not the only piece of this puzzle that Penn State needs to solve before it can have that level of success. So I usually get uh, the wet blanket moniker because, you know, I'm pointing out all of the realities instead of all the possibilities. I'm glad somebody else is doing that with me. Thank you, Nate. Thank you for joining me over on the realistic side of, yeah, there's only a couple of teams every year that can win a national championship. And is it just the quarterback or is it the whole team? So let me ask you this, though, because your logical your logical train there makes a lot of sense of can they win the Big Ten, Stepping Stone 1, yes. But what that means is, fill in the blank of what it means, that puts you in the college football playoff discussion right off the bat. So totally. That, that's, so that's where we're talking about, right? right. Like, I, I guess as, if you have a quarterback that can confidently execute the offense and the offense is talented enough to beat anyone in your own conference, and your own conference has Ohio State. I guess this yep. is where, where everyone wants to get to the end. They want to get to the answer before we get through. They want to see the puzzle before you put all the pieces together. Right. So uh, I, I, I'm having a hard time with, I guess, a question here, but it just becomes that that tangent that you go down of, so what is the what is, where are we going with this? Because Penn State fans, for a long time, have wanted to beat Ohio State. And I know that we're talking about Ball State this week. I put in the graphic over in the corner, the Ball State (laughs) Cardinal. But, you know, when we have this conversation about Sean Clifford, it always leads back to that conclusion. So I guess, like, are are you saying that this team temper your expectations as what they're going to do or temper your expectations because the lofty expectations are unreasonable and unhelpful? No, I mean, I I just think that he is is a top – Again, like PFF ranked them at what eighty fifth? Were they that kind? The that, they, they were not, not kind. Yeah, I think he, he was, was less than that. He, he was terrible last year. Yeah, granted, no doubt about it. But yeah, I think that Sean Clifford this season has the potential to be one of the best twenty quarterbacks in Division One football in the FBS. Right? Like, can, can he be, lead a top twenty five team? Absolutely. Are there enough elements outside of him that on the whole, they can be good enough to reach those lofty aspirations? Yes, to to reach them. However, he's not a guy who you're going to look at alone. Like now yeah. the whole conversation last year is he cannot overcome all of the other deficiencies. He's not he, he isn't that type of talent. However, when the other pieces are in place and instead of deficiencies, they are all good to great, he, he's capable. Yeah. He's, he's capable of, yes. of, of, of not driving the train off the tracks. But that's a huge deal. That is a huge deal to have a, a, a conductor who can, who can do that, who can keep it on schedule uh and and you know obviously i mean i hate the analogy but like reach the destination uh you know it's just a matter of being reasonable about how he's going to do that and i thought that saturday was in so many ways the perfect exemplification of that 
he can't he Sean Clifford is not going to bail you out of not having any answers on the offensive line or in pass protection for what Wisconsin's doing defensively. He can't do that by himself. Yeah, he doesn't. He's not, not Patrick. He's not will. Patrick Mahomes. He's not going to be the guy that scrambles, finds the guy downfield, and throws a dart. He's just. Nope. He's not going to be that guy. To your point, I, and I, I want to point out a couple of the other factors in this game. Now, you mentioned PFF. First off, three big time throws in that game as charted by PFF. No turnover worthy plays. So as of right now, where the, where that grade stands, that is a dramatic change from what we saw last year. Where he's hovering. I think that's generous too, because he did have one turnover worthy play in the first half. He threw one into into triple coverage. That I, I agree. Jahan Dotson. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. No, I, 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 there was a couple of plays that were inaccurate. And like his grade reflects that if you want to check out PFF.com to see his grade in Premium Stats 2.0. The part that I think is interesting and the part that I've been railing on for probably two months now when we've talked about Sean Clifford is the environment, and this is what you're saying, the environment in which he's given an opportunity to make plays. I talked about this of the quality of his deep attempts. First off, 24% of his throws were down the field 20-plus yards against Wisconsin. Once they decided to go there, yep. they had they they threatened the defense deep, and it opened things up. Now, he was not where he needed to be when it comes to his ability to hit those targets. I've, I've covered that this week. But he hit eight uh, three of eight attempts, and uh, he was able to generate enough offense in those situations to win the football game. That's what we're talking about. And by the way, Mike Yersich, they weren't all go balls on the outside. It wasn't these awful tight window throws down the field. Five of his attempts were in the middle of the field. If you can somehow get the safety split and get to the middle of the field, Sean Clifford can do that. We've seen that time and time again. So the environment in which he's playing is better than it was last year. And this is a better quarterback because of that. Now, when it comes to Mike Yersich, another thing James Franklin said that I really wanted to touch on today that I think is a really important part of the conversation with Sean Clifford is his ability to get through his progressions and Mike make the right decision with his legs. And, and James had this to say about his ability to do that. I, I think the biggest thing, and Mike's done a good job of this, is you know make sure that you're going through your progressions um, and and you know and not you know, go in progression one, progression two run, make sure you go in progression one, progression two, progression three, step up in the pocket, climb in the pocket and hit a check down or keep your momentum going and stay on the move and, and go get us some positive yardage. So to me, Nate, when you're talking about going through his progressions, that's something that Sean Clifford did not do until we saw him do it against Wisconsin. Like that's a huge that's a huge thing, right? That's got to be when we talk about this narrative. That's got to be a huge thing. Yeah, no, and it was it was one of the the primary critiques of him last year was that when it wasn't there on the first option, he took off. I mean, he he had double digit carries in the first I don't know three four weeks of the season yeah. before things final right. And and so like uh, James Franklin was talking today or excuse me yesterday about his having to make those choices between the run and the pass and how that's kind of a delicate balance. But if you can run the ball out of an escape of a sack, right? You, you're, you're nearly brought down, but you escape the pocket and you're able to keep your eyes upfield. You see that you have some running room. You're not going to take that shot down the field. You can pick up 10, 15 yards. Yeah. That's a huge part of it. 
But then the other element is, okay, get through your progressions. Yeah. Get, get through the first, second, third read, the checkdowns. And if none of those are there, if none of those are, if you're proactive in that approach and none of those are there and then you take off, all right, you've, you've done yourself a service. You've done as much as you can do and are going to do unless obviously throwing the ball away becomes the better option as well. Yeah. So no, I mean, it's, it's, this is what Mike Yersich is here for. Yes. This is what, this is what, these are the elements that Sean Clifford at times has not had in his repertoire or decision-making repertoire that have come up short in the past that obviously they're hoping to rectify this season. And so far, Despite the frustration that I think a lot of fans felt about that first half at Wisconsin, he he did not get them into trouble. And yeah. that's a huge element to them being able to have the type of success that they want this season. Especially with when you when you consider the performance the defense had. Now, a lot of that we've talked about the number of plays they were on the field, but the number of negative plays they created for the Wisconsin offense, to me, that's the percentage I'm looking at of those plays. Because Wisconsin is going to run the football. They're going to run the football, and you're going to give up some yards because that's how their offense is designed. If you're going up against a spread offense, you're going to give up some yards underneath. Do you make the tackle, and do you limit the damage? That's what you're supposed to do as a defense. They did that, and they have a defense that it seems at this point is capable of keeping them in any game, so then it becomes about the scheme and what you can do on offense to to make the opposing defense pay for for having it be a tight game. But Mike Yersich, and this is where I want to uh, want to emphasize this again. Checkdowns are sexy. I for for Sean Clifford, a guy in 2019 that I saw him chuck the ball to KJ Hamler a ton of times deep. And then in 2020, a guy that wanted to do it all. He wanted to be able to on every play make the right decision and make the defense pay for it by throwing into tight windows, finding the guy that's open, all those things. Noah Kane's a really talented player. And if you get him the ball in the flat, now sometimes the defense is going to make a tackle, but I think Noah Kane has shown he's going to make that guy miss. And if you're Sean Clifford, he's better at running the football than you are. Get your yep. playmakers the football and make the right decisions. And Sean Clifford, once again, I'm going to say this, despite, uh, you know, I, I, I try not to go against the logic too much, right, or, or the data too much, but despite the fact that his PFF grade wasn't great, uh, some of his completion percentage metrics weren't great. Uh, some of his deep metrics were not great. He made the right decisions. He, time and time again, for the most part, made mature decisions with the football, checked the ball down, got it to his playmakers, and you're you're going to live with the inaccuracies. That part you're going to live with. But as far as his ability to operate the offense, I'm sold. At this point, Nate, I'm sold of his ability to do that week one out of the box against that defense. I was not expecting that performance. And I think you're, you're right. They can beat any team in the Big Ten. And and when we're talking about Ball State this week, they should be able to do whatever they want against that team. And I know that's a good team. I know they have 16 returning veterans, super seniors. They should be able to beat that team. It shouldn't be a question. Yeah, they should. But I'm still not expecting a smooth, a totally smooth operation. It's just, it's just too early. Like they, they're going to have to have that progression that happens when you're, I mean, Sean Clifford said it. He said, learn from the first half, build on the second half. Mm -hmm. Right. So, so the first half was, they did something wrong. They didn't, 
execute the way that they wanted to. The second half was the beginning stages of what they envisioned the offense being capable of doing. And so if, if, if they can do that, and now again, like Ball State's defense is not going to present the challenges that Wisconsin's did. So you, you've already passed the first test. And the first test is one of the harder tests that you're gonna take this season. So now there's a little bit of breathing room and ability to get in those reps and get, I mean, I, I don't want to talk as though a, a win against Ball State is a given. I, I don't think at this level that that's what happens. Mm-hmm. It's not. However, for Penn State, your expectation should be that with the right execution, with the right game plan, you're going to put yourself in a position where the the stress and the pressure and uh, the demand is is less naturally you're at home it's a different it's a it's not as tough as an opponent as wisconsin penn state should be able to have some some success offensively and again uh just continue that building process as they move into um you know what inevitably is is going to be a progressively more difficult schedule uh as they go along penn state reached 11th in the ap poll yesterday when it came out in the afternoon uh Fair, not you know, overranked, underranked. What's your thought about that? And and I know that the polls are one thing or another, but just as a barometer for where they stand in the season, what do you think about that? Uh yeah, I think I think it's fair. I I don't know what other choice was was out there. I mean, to to me, it feels very much like uh, Wisconsin is as much of an unknown to me as Penn State yeah. is. I, I don't. Graham Mertz didn't, you know. He wasn't good. He was really flowers. bad. <laughs> yeah, there were no flowers and rainbows. And so if if that's the guy, then is Wisconsin really 12? If that's right. Right. So like, yep. I, you know, so I'm a, I'm, a, I'm just a little bit wishy-washy on that. Um, yeah. You know, but even, even Ohio State, you know, I, I think has some questions to answer. The, the Big Ten in general. I'm just, you know, Iowa looks like a world beater now. Like, is that so it, it just takes a few weeks, I think, for the rankings and those kind of ratings to, to sort themselves out. And for now, 11's fine, um, you know, but I think that Penn State certainly would acknowledge that it has a lot more to, to prove and to demonstrate that it's it's, you know, really the 11th best team in the country or in its aspirations better than that. This is the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, Senior Editor of Blue White Illustrated, Nate Bauer, with us as well. Uh, tomorrow on the Daily Edition, Robbie General, of uh, he's a Ball State beat writer. He's going to come on the show and give us you know, the information that we all need, which is what to expect from Ball State. We know they're a veteran team. We all know they won the MAC Championship, but what are they? Where are the strengths? Where are the weaknesses of the team? What to expect? Your initial thoughts, though, what's your early look at Ball State as far as what you've seen of them, if you've seen anything? Uh, I, I have not seen anything. Certainly, I know that, you know, the expectations in the MAC are, are fairly lofty for them. Um, I tend to like the analytics and the data points and that those types of things. And so when ESPN's FPI 
gives Penn State a 92% chance of winning this game before the season, that suggests to me that the storyline of, you know, one of the questions in Franklin's press conference yesterday was trap game. Yeah. Uh, you know, and so that was uh, sure, maybe, uh, but not really. Yeah. <laughs> not really. Yeah. I, I, you know, this is, this is a game that Penn State should win. Uh, and should do so in a, in a lot of ways, the same way that I felt about Penn State winning at Wisconsin. Penn State has better players. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, Penn, yeah. Penn State, the, the, on the whole, the players are just better. And the best players are better than their best players. So if that's the case, they should win. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's a fair way of looking at it. Uh, <laughs> that is that is a that is as as um, as uh, base as you can get. That is as, as focused on the individual problems as you can get of like these guys are better than these guys. That's a good place to start for Penn State football. I got I brought you on here to talk about Sean Clifford today and to to really get into all the things James Franklin talked about when it came to footwork and decision-making and all that stuff. Um, I love that stuff. What are you thinking about this week? So what's on, what's in Nate Bauer's brain about Penn State football heading into the second half of the week against Ball State? Um, yeah, no, I mean, I just kind of the way that I was touching on earlier uh, about using it as a stepping stone. I, I think that that's important. I think that the defense not being on the play, the field for 96 plays is important. I, I think establishing some rhythm, establishing like getting in those reps is is just very important. It it would do Penn State wonders to to get Taquan Roberson into the game. Yeah, to get some of those backup running backs into the game. Um, you know, like all of those building block elements that you expect to have in your opener Penn State did not have the opportunity to have those yeah this this year and so right like a, a few years ago I, Idaho was what 70 to 7 or whatever I'm not I'm not suggesting that but Penn State should have an opportunity to give itself some breathing room to advance you know its progress on installing and establishing this offense for what it wants to become and so that's what that's what I'm going to be seeing is is yeah. is our can, the, the first half thing I think is a big deal is yeah. uh, you, you don't want to start to get into a habit and obviously it's one game so to call it a habit already is not fair or accurate yeah but it has been a hallmark want... before so that I think Correct. a lot of people are are a little leery about that. Correct is you just want to you know hey maybe maybe 21 points in the first half. Right. Like get into, get into the end zone a couple of times and see where it takes you. So that, that's one thing that, that I, I've been thinking about is the offensive efficiency. Cause we saw the big plays are there and, and that with Jahan Dotson, he's coming for blood this year. Like he is not messing around. He's going to be a big time factor in any postseason award and this team going places as, as a team, he's going to be a big part of that to me. It's the offensive efficiency. And, and James talked about post game, uh, you can check out his post game comments if you haven't yet uh, on our YouTube channel, uh, Blue White Illustrated on YouTube. Talked about the idea that Wisconsin was coming downhill with their linebackers and making it so they couldn't run the ball. What they were trying to do with the offensive line and their blocking scheme 
Wisconsin was prepared for it and was deciding to take that away. And they could with their skill. How do you stay efficient when someone's determined to take a part of the game away from you? Because we've seen this before, right? We've seen this story before of a team has decided to take Saquon Barkley out of the game. Or they say, okay, we dare you, first-year starting quarterback, to throw the ball. How do you stay efficient when someone is determined to take away something that keeps you off schedule? That's To me, that's the really interesting thing about seeing that in Ball State. If Ball State is committed to stopping X, and you found yep. a solution outside of that. And I do think that ties us all back into the conversation about Sean Clifford, and the defense can't be right if your quarterback knows what he's doing. So that'll be an interesting yeah. thing to see. Yeah, no, I mean, and and look, like, there's going to be and there should be some 2016-17 parallels here. Yeah. It, it, Trace McSorley, right? Like, just, you know what Penn State's strength should be on paper. And so, especially after last season, defenses are going to take the approach that Wisconsin did, which is, hey, the best chance defensively to create havoc, create turnovers, and keep Penn State off the scoreboard is to make Sean Clifford frustrated. And until he proves, and he did it on Saturday, but I, I can't imagine that his second half performance alone is enough to dissuade Ball State from taking the same approach. And many other teams, I think Auburn's going to take the same approach. That is what these opponents are going to do until Penn State and specifically Sean Clifford back them off of it. That's that's all it is. Is is all right? You're going to have to have a strategy to beat that. And yeah. when you when you take that and take it repeatedly, at some point that opponent will back off of it, or, or they should, or they're just going to continue to get beat. But if 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 Sean Clifford can and and not just Sean Clifford, but Parker Washington, Jahan Dotson. You saw, like, John Dotson talked after the game. Wisconsin was giving him one-on-one -on -one coverage yeah. all day. Yep. You, you that that is again. I mean, I'm repeating myself here, but that's the game is leverage and one-on-ones and you winning your one-on-one. -on -one. Sean Clifford has to deliver the pass, which is important because that's a that's a tough part uh, when you're facing the type of pressure that Wisconsin was bringing. But if he can deliver the pass. And Jahan Dotson can win his one-on-one, -on -one, which he's demonstrated that he can do. You're you're going to have success, and so that's you know it, it's going to continue to be that for Penn State until they do it repeatedly to the point where opponents start to say, "Oh well, that's not how we want to get beat. We want to get beat by Noah Kane running the ball 40 times." But that's not. But that from the onset of this season, that's not how it's going to be. We'll find out maybe just a little bit more about what Ball State wants to do on Saturday. Robbie General of the Star Press will be joining me on the BWI Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. As always, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel because it's not just the Daily Edition. We've got every press conference from Penn State Football. We've got the recruiting podcast with Greg Pickle, Dave Eckert, and Nate, and uh, Ryan Snyder. And, of course, we have the BWI Live post-game show coming up 20 minutes after every game for Penn State Football. So all of that, subscribe and you get that. And you don't have to pay to subscribe for that stuff. If you want the premium stuff, though, bwi.rivals.com backslash subscribe. A great time to see all of the insights and the stuff that I know Nate, he knows the answers. 
He's just keeping them back for the guys on the message boards. If you want all the actual insider information, bwi.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Nate, thanks for coming on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it always. We'll be back again tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition.